You're listening to the School of Reinvention podcast. I'm your host, Roger Osorio. I'm the author of The Journey to Reinvention, How to Build a Life Aligned with Your Values, Passion, and Purpose. I'm also the founder of The School of Reinvention, a community-based coaching platform where we help people define success on their terms and reinvent themselves to make it happen. I believe that as the years pass, our values, passions, and purpose evolve, and we must reinvent ourselves in order to stay aligned with who we really are and what matters to us. This podcast is all about exploring different journeys to reinvention so that you can learn the strategies for how to successfully launch your next reinvention. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the School of Reinvention podcast. I'm your host, Roger Rosario. I'm a reinvention coach, speaker, and author of The Journey to Reinvention, How to Build a Life Aligned with Your Values, Passions, and Purpose. I'm incredibly excited for today's episode. I am joined by Jess Felt, who is a life and leadership coach for career-focused working parents who want to nurture both their careers and their families. Jess supports working parents and especially working mothers to go after a career and life that they love. Her motto is, screw the shoulds. She believes you should be able to define working mother on your terms without the pressures and judgments from society. Jess has been a coach, speaker, and facilitator of all things at the intersection of leadership and parenthood, including mom guilt, parenting equity, and authentic leadership. She's a huge advocate for policy and legislation to support working parents and caregivers in the U.S. Jess has a master's degree in industrial organizational psychology, which is just a fancy way to say business psychology. Last but certainly not least, Jess has over four years of experience as a working mother to two little boys, and she has the rocks and the messy toilets to prove it. Jess, thank you so much for sharing some of your time and your willingness to share your insights, your lessons learned along your journey to reinvention. Absolutely. I'm so excited to be here. So let's talk about your first maternity leave. You know, the the transition to maternity leave, then that time, the insights, the ideas, the realizations you came to during that time. Yeah, sounds great. So I had my first maternity leave back in 2018. And I was still working in the corporate world back then. I was uh, leading talent management for my consulting practice. I had been, before my maternity leave, you know, working full time, not crazy hours, but definitely full working full time and commuting and doing that whole thing. My husband did the same. He traveled a lot. And it was a very full life with just the two of us. And then we had my first son and I went on maternity leave and I loved it. I loved having that time and space with my son to just enjoy being a mother and the space that it created for my husband and I not to feel like we were always rushing around during leave. I mean, with a newborn, to a certain extent, you're always rushing and doing something, but it was like a different kind, right? We weren't commuting. We weren't always doing this and staying up late and working. It was just a, it was a different pace that I really enjoyed. And I think what was really eye-opening for me is I didn't miss work. And that was new for me because I had spent a very long time building my career and I was very proud of my career and where I had gotten in the leadership position that I was in, in my office. But when it was time for my, leave, my maternity leave to wrap up at that 16-week mark, and I feel very blessed and very lucky that I had 16 weeks because not many women in the U.S. are offered that, I was devastated. I did not want to go back. It was an incredibly hard transition for me. And in so many ways that like kicked off, I know we're going to talk more about this like reinvention and what that means. Like That was the start of it for me because it was this huge transition in my life that said, wait a minute. 
the things that used to be important to me all of a sudden don't seem all that important to me anymore. And there's this whole new set of things that are really important to me. And what does that mean? You know, one of the things that I talk a lot about is the power of a project in terms of helping us learn more about ourselves and discover other sides to ourselves. Now, having a baby, of course, is a very different kind of project, <laughs> but it's a project of sorts in the sense that, you know, this maternity leave period was finite, right? There were only 16 weeks. So if we look at the maternity leave portion of it, that's a project, right? Absolutely. It's this project, it's this time that you have an outcome that you want to achieve. And in the process of engaging in that project, it sounds like you learned a lot about yourself. And, you know, there are some things and, and just even the way you prefaced it, to be honest, like, I really enjoyed that time. Like, that sounds like that was something you maybe weren't totally expecting, maybe not to that degree. And you were like, wow, this is really cool. I feel differently. I feel I'm learning something about myself. And, and I love the way you share that, because I think that's the power of engaging in any kind of project. And of course, this is like the ultimate project. Now, this is what you and I connected around, because I, you know, I have, uh, I have a newborn or an infant now, she's almost six months. So, you know, I remember it's going funny how fast they leave that newborn stage, right? Right. <laughs> I don't know. I thought that was like for a year, but apparently that's like a two month term. And then you're like, you're off and graduated to the next stage. But, you know, we connected around this and I and I definitely understand what you mean by that period of time that, you know, at the beginning, I'm like, wow, who is this guy? I had no idea I was going to enjoy changing diapers so much. And yet I love it to death. Like, I want to be the one doing that all the time. So let's talk a little bit about now, like you've come to these realizations, you've discovered all this about yourself. What happens next now that you're getting closer to the wrap up of your maternity leave? What's going on in your mind? What's going on in your heart as you're making, getting ready for that transition? Um, I know that we talked about, for instance, you know, there was, you wanted to be a certain kind of mother. You had, a, you started to develop a vision and then, well, maybe the work thing wasn't going to allow that vision to manifest the way you wanted it. Tell us more. Yeah. So as I said, when I ended my maternity leave and went back to work, I did what I think most women do, and now trends are starting to change and it's becoming less common, but still very common. I went back right to work full time right away. And it was ripping the bandaid off in a way that was very, very hard for me to go from being home with my with my newborn at the time, he was still very much a newborn full time to then sending him to daycare full time and being at work full time. And all of a sudden, all of this time I had spent loving and nurturing him and really feeling like I was enjoying this motherhood, I was now dropping him off at daycare at 730 in the morning and not picking him up from daycare until almost 6pm at night. And it was heartbreaking for me to feel like I was missing this time in my son's life. I still enjoyed my work. But that feeling of what I was missing out on really took away from any sort of enjoyment that I felt like I really could have leaned into with my career. And it made me start to think about what could be different. This isn't sustainable for the type of family that we want to have. That's really what started going through my head is if this isn't sustainable, because I really started to dread, you know, going to work the next day, I started dreading the, the Sunday scaries were so real. If this is not sustainable to be living in this mindset, to be living in this perspective that I have, then what do I want to do about that? What would it look like to shift our life in a different way to create the type of life that we wanted to create the type of motherhood, the type of family life that we wanted to have where we were really able to enjoy each other more instead of feeling like we were constantly rushing from this thing to this thing and this thing and always stressed and always not enough time and always busy and always this. 
And so really just all of that, going back to work, having that Band-Aid rip off, like those feelings, it made me really face head on. So if this isn't sustainable, what is? And that really is like, okay, something has to change. What's going to change? So what you just shared, you know, you started to get what your vision for motherhood was. And all of a sudden, there's a clash here. You know what life on your terms is now. You, you've tasted a bit of it during maternity leave. You've experienced it. And now you're experiencing the other side of it when you don't get to live it that way, when you have to do things that completely are not aligning with your values anymore, the new values as a parent that you have now that you want to spend time, you know, with this little guy and you want to be able to share life with him and all of that. What did you start thinking about in terms of a solution? And also, we talked a little bit about this idea that you had a, like a set of values or a way of viewing being a successful corporate employee that from your mother, you know, because your mother was a role model. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about the role that plays and then how you started to develop an idea to move forward to resolve this. You're right. Prior, my mom was always the working executive in my life. And so I saw that and, you know, that was definitely a role model for me. And she had myself and my sister and she was the working mom. And she traveled a fair amount with her job as well. And so I had this idea of what it looks like to be a successful working mom, which is that you were doing it all. And those values of doing it all, but wanting to really appreciate more time at home really started to conflict with each other. And I think a lot of working moms feel that in society right now of what society says it looks like to be a successful working mom of you're able to do it all and be the default parent and be the good partner and be the good friend and do all of these things. But when at your core, that feels like something isn't sitting right about that, or you're not actually able to lean into what really matters for you, which for me, what really mattered was being able to appreciate this time at home with my son. It was like a serious conflict within myself of like, okay, what do I do next here? Um, If I choose to leave this job, does that mean that I'm no longer a successful working mom? Does that mean I'm no longer living up to what it means to be a working woman and care about your career in today's society? Does that make me a failure here? But does it make me a failure if I feel like I'm spending all my time here and not showing up for my son the way I want to show up? And it was really, really hard to be able to balance those two values, hold both of those two values that really seem to be in in conflict with each other. For me, eventually, in, in partnership with my husband, I was by no means making these decisions on my own. We decided that it was best for our family for me to stop working. And I decided to become a stay at home mom. And that definitely didn't happen right away. This was nine months into me having returned back to work. So my son was almost a full year by then of us going through this and saying like, things don't really seem to be getting better. We're not really getting into the groove of this. So I decided to quit and become a stay at home mom. And I had to say, you know what, this value right now is really what's what's really meaningful to me. And I'm sure we'll, we'll kind of get into that as well. I had coaching in the background, so it wasn't that I was 100% a stay-at-home mom, but that was what my intention was. When I was telling my company I was leaving and people were saying, well, well what are you doing? It, I think assuming that the answer was going to be, oh, I'm going to this company or I'm moving into this role. I said, you know, I'm actually quitting to be a stay-at-home mom. And I had my coaching work that I do in the background, but that idea of I was quitting to be a stay-at-home mom was first and foremost for me. You know, what you said there about this conflict between the two sets of values, I think that's really important 
because I feel like that's what holds a lot of people back. You know, I had this one definition of success that had already been pretty hardwired into me because, you know, it, enough decades of believing in a certain set of values. I mean, it does become hardwired. Yeah. I mean, I'd spent 30 years hardwiring that one. <laughs> yeah. So 30 years is hard to undo. And then you start to discover this new part of yourself, this new set of values that you didn't ask for. Like you didn't say like, oh, I'm looking for these new set of values. It's just that they came through you. They came out of you. You're like, wow, this feels so right. Like what I want feels so right. And uh, now what do I do? You know, because now there's a battle here. One has a lot more experience in living inside of me. The other one's relatively yeah. new, like a rookie. One's a veteran. The other's a rookie. Like, gosh, can re they really compete? You know, to some extent, this is probably one of the biggest barriers to a reinvention. And so kind of to zoom out for a moment, you know, like in your story, what I'm hearing is, you know, you were working your, your corporate job. Things were great. You were doing your thing. Then you're on maternity leave and this project that we call maternity leave. Wow. You discover new things about yourself. You discover that there are other values you have, other passions, other purpose that you have that were different than what you had before you were a mother. And so motherhood became your trigger for reinvention. It became like, whoa, this is not what I expected, but it is what it is. And I want to acknowledge this. And, you know, it was great to hear that it didn't happen overnight. You talked about that nine month period that and, and in conjunction with your husband, you know, you guys are teammates. So you guys are trying to work this thing out and figure out, look, what do we do here? Like, this is what I'm feeling. And, and it takes time. And I think this is important because a lot of times when we hear stories about really exciting reinventions, we hear about you quit and then you became massively successful and everything was like so perfect and it all happened from one day to the next, but it doesn't. It doesn't. It takes nine months for you to even figure out that there's a decision to be made and that you are ready to take that decision and do something with it. And that is not an easy time because to your point, you were conflicted during that time. You had your old values up against your new ones. You're obviously talking yeah. to your partner. How do we figure this one out? What's possible? What's not? But at the end of the day, you knew what you really wanted. And then I thought you kind of wrapped up with this really important point of something that makes it really hard as well to even have the conversation once you've made the decision, which is society's response to it. Like, oh, you're quitting. Oh, oh my yeah. God. Tell me about the exciting new role that you have that pays you more money, that gives you more of like a higher position, a higher title, a higher role or whatever. And you're like, uh, actually, it's an unfunded position, <laughs> and uh, right? and and it's and by full time, I mean it's like twenty four seven. Right. What I should have said was, I'm leaving to be the CEO of my family. <laughs> yes, I mean, and and that's you know that's what it is. But to your point, it's like the, just society doesn't always respond like in that excited way. It's almost like we're not. Yeah. We don't know how to respond to that in an excited way. When it's out of the norm, right. When it's out of the norm, when it's not something that we expect, when it's something that almost contradicts what we've been told, what success is. And I think a lot of mothers sometimes face this, or even I would say specifically stay at home mothers of being judged for being a stay at home mother, because what do you mean you're not leaning in and going to work and building the career? And so I think whatever it is that someone is transitioning to, you're not just you're not just internally making that transition, but you're also fighting with the external view of what that transition looks like and in facing that head on. I, I love the way you put that because yeah, I, I don't think it's that people mean bad or, any, or have any bad intentions. It's just that they too have been trained to hear a certain kind of answer yeah. to that question. 
And then when the answer doesn't fit what they're used to, it's like, I don't know what to say. Uh, con- congrats, I think. Yeah. I, yeah, of course. Exactly. Of course. Yes, of course. Congrats. And it's that awkward, like, I, obviously, this is a good thing. <laughs> what am I talking about? So, okay, I, I, you know, I can appreciate this. So I, I wanted to lift that up because I think that this is something that we all go through when we have an answer that doesn't fit. You know, like I had mine where people asked me like, oh, what are you doing now that you've quit and you're reinventing yourself? Well, I'm going to go from national account sales where, you know, I was making really great income and all that. And I want to become a math teacher. What? A math teacher? Like, isn't that a multiple steps down? And in my mind, I'm thinking it's multiple steps up. (laughs) Might actually be an elevator ride up if you ask me, but it seems no one else sees it that way. And that was a weird moment to go through. And it highlights the importance of really knowing what's important to you and what success looks like for you so that you can define that and not let other people define that for you. Because that's a great way of letting that fear and judgment get in the way of anything of, of kind of just like resigning yourself to what other people define as success. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Because if you're hearing that enough, you might think, wait, I must be wrong. Everyone agrees. It's kind of like when, you know, I don't know, somebody says in the classroom, what's two plus two? And then one person says five and another person says five and you know it's four. Another person says five and you're like, and they're they're coming to you to ask you and you're like, shoot, do I say four or do I say five? You start to question, am I right? Or I must be wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. And you're like, but you swear, you know, but after like you hear it 10 times, you're starting to think, maybe I'm wrong. And then you raise your hand and you say five. Yeah. And then you're back to whatever, you know? So I think that's like the dynamic that we all go through. And, and that's the experience, you know, essentially when you're hearing that a lot and to your point, it's so important that you know what your values are and what you want so clearly with so much certainty that no matter what the response is, no matter how many people say five, you're like, Hey, four. And that's it. Like you don't care that the whole room. And you have that confidence. Exactly. You don't care that everyone said five. Awesome. So let's talk about now the transition to stay at home because what ends up happening here is this project obviously inspired something in you. You went back to work. You realized this is not working. It's time for a reinvention. That reinvention was to go from your corporate job to becoming a stay at home mom. Tell us about that journey. Part of this journey, I'm going to bring in the context of the time of year. I live in Chicago. There are definite seasons associated with the time of year here. I started my stay at home in June. It's the best time of year in Chicago. So I had a wonderful like first three to six months of my stay at home mom journey. It was summer. We were enjoying the parks. We were going outside. We were taking family vacations. It was great. I was like, this is the best decision I've ever made. Our family life just felt so much more at ease, I would say, with the pace. And then we started getting into winter here. And in winter in Chicago, you spend a lot of time inside. There is not much going on. And I really started to feel myself getting, trying to think of what the right word is, but almost trapped inside. I, I still very much enjoyed spending time with my son and being able to do things, but I was beginning to lose myself a little bit within, the, within being a stay-at-home mom because it felt like I was trapped at the mercy of my son and his schedule and what we were doing and what the weather was. And I was losing a sense of myself. And during this time, I had to realize in, in 
for myself that, you know what, maybe I don't want to be a full-time stay-at-home mom. And if I don't want to be a full-time stay-at-home mom, then what does that look like next? And so it's just like, it was a continued part of that. Then if this isn't working, then what will? Because working full-time didn't work for me. If being a stay-at-home mom full-time isn't working for me, what's next then for me? What does that look like then? And that's really when I started to pivot into, okay, what's the in-between here? What would allow us to really be able to live the values, the more useful family life that we wanted, but for me to also be able to have something that really mattered to me in my career, which turned out to be coaching. And that really is what allowed me to live that in-between world, which I have been living ever since. And I really have just come to embrace of creating flexibility in a career for myself and in creating flexibility in childcare so that I had some of that time for myself. And it was fully a matter of experimentation and being willing to fail within this and being willing to pivot. You know, one of the things you said there that I think is really important for listeners to make uh, take note of is you, you could have looked at this as there's only two choices here, go back to corporate or be a stay at home mom. But you asked, what else is there? You know, which as a as fellow coaches here, we know that's like one of the most powerful questions we can ask our clients is what else? And, what else? and you, you, you big, what else to yourself on that one? And you went big on that and you, you came up with a, what else you came up with the middle option or option C let's call it that. And, and with that option C, you were able to see a, a version of a solution that really aligned with you uh, on so many levels. How long, did it take you before you really realized it's time for the next reinvention? You know, I went, I definitely went through the winter. I was also, if you think about the timing of when this all hit, that winter was the winter of 2019 going into 2020. Um, so that was the winter just before COVID. The winter that never ended. <laughs> and the winter that literally never ended, it felt like. And so I just before 2020, at the very tail end of 2019 is when I started to pivot and I found a really amazing flexible childcare solution that allowed me to lean into my business more and do both of that. Of course, by February, March, we all know what happened and childcare shut down and that required a different pivot of a different sort. But it was right around that kind of like time where I was really able to kind of find that sweet mm -hmm. spot. Okay, so it was about six months into your maternity leave um, uh, experiment. And see, that's the other thing I want to lift yeah. up here is that, you know, you went back to work after that uh, first maternity, after your maternity leave, you went back to work. And then, you know, nine months into that, you realized this is not working. And you you made that decision. First, that's awesome. I think that's incredibly important to really highlight because you have to take that action. You have to be willing to take that action. And to your point, it took a lot of thought. You didn't, not something you walked into lightly. You did not just come upon that one day and say, I'm out, I'm quitting. Here's my two week notice. You took nine months to really get to that realization, do all of the thinking, plan with your husband, and then say, it's time and be able to do that. But that was nine months. And so you were willing yeah. to make that pivot. Then you tried something new and you went into a new opportunity. And that also, you know, after six months, you realized not working quite the way I thought it was. And again, you took action. And I think that's really important because sometimes I think we get into a new path and we say, well, it would be a failure 
to back out of that path. Like, I don't want to be the failure. I don't want to quit. I don't want to give up. You know, what do they say? Quitters never win, blah, blah, blah. All these sayings that discourage us from doing the right thing. But you did quit because you realized this is not working. This is failure. If I stay on this path, this is going to lead to more failure. And so I need to, right. ha- I need to be willing to pivot here and find another option, the what else option, the option C, which then, you know, you started moving into in that first three months of 2020 before the pandemic really goes and does its thing. I almost pushed back against the word quit a bit. It was more of just evolved with it because I never would have gotten to where I am today had I not made those, I don't even want to call them missteps, but had I not made those steps in the journey, I wouldn't have gotten to where I am today. And so I just see them all as parts of like an evolution of the journey to where I am today and just being open and willing to learn from those pieces and and continue to make those pivots. This is something I've experienced in my own life as well. And when I've interviewed people for my book, I hear similar things. And it's this whole idea that, you know, everything that we have done, experienced and lived has brought us to this moment and made this moment possible. And when I look back, I honestly can't regret anything, the bad, the good, the ugly, whatever you want to call it. I can't regret it because honestly, I know that if one of those was taken away, I can't say for certain that I would be right here having this conversation with you, doing things that I love doing and living life on my terms, the way I'm living them now. I don't know. I don't, I can't say for certain. Right. And so I, I love that. I think it's, you're absolutely right. It's, these are not missteps. I, I can't even call them really missteps either. However, while others may call it a misstep, a failure or whatever, in our minds, you know, we see it as like, no, this is part of that journey. I needed that time to realize something. I needed that time to make that discovery. Otherwise, like, how do you make these decisions with confidence if you don't have, if you don't live that, the pain, if you don't live the the, right. the conflict, you got to live it. And then you know what to do after you've lived it because you know it's not right for you. Tell us a little bit about your coaching journey because now you're going through this three month period where you're like, okay, it's time to reinvent myself into a third option, another way. I, what else the whole thing? I came up with a new idea. Tell us a little bit about that transition and how you handled that. Coaching for me had always been running in the background of this entire story here. Even before I had my son, I was thinking about transitioning from consulting into coaching. Um, My husband and I were really fortunate enough before we decided to have children to take a three-month sabbatical and travel through Europe. And while we took that sabbatical, I had the space to really think about what I wanted to do with my career. And I knew I wanted to pivot into coaching. Now, at that time, in my head, it was like, oh, 10 years out, 15 years out was what I was thinking. Then having my son taking my maternity leave, thinking, oh, wait, this doesn't really feel right where I am right now. It really brought that coaching to the forefront and saying, well, maybe it isn't a 10-year thing out. Maybe it's not a 15-year thing out. Maybe this is a right now thing that can run in the background of what I'm doing. I was started coaching while I was pregnant. I was coaching at nights and weekends while I was still with my full-time job. I got my certification for coaching while I was on maternity leave. So it's really followed my whole journey and it became this, well, oh, maybe this can be my side hustle while I'm figuring out this stay-at-home mom thing while I'm doing this. And I can really, really slowly build it up to be something when I'm ready. And that really, when I hit that six-month mark in my stay-at-home mom world, was me really saying, you know what, I really love this part of what I'm doing. I really love this part of me and this career that I'm building here. And I would love to begin building this into more of something. 
And so that's where I really started to say, okay, how do I do more of this and a little bit less of the stay-at-home mom? And I was like, okay, well, I need flexible childcare to do this. So we figured that out. And it was just like the slow evolution of how do I begin to build more of this in and less in this until I got to that ratio of like, nope, this actually is what life looks like to me. And this is pretty darn perfect right now. This is it. This is the journey. You know, I, a couple of things I want to lift up here that I think are going to be important for listeners. One is that the idea of coaching was not a brand new idea. This was an old idea. This was an idea that you already had somewhere stored away and you had already earmarked it for farther into the future, longer down the path. And then you decided, mm-hmm. huh, maybe this is a now idea. Maybe this is not a still whatever time I have left on my long-term plan here for coaching. I've heard this with, you know, when I, with a lot of people like authors, working with other authors, I've learned that many of them, like they thought the book writing journey was something that came way later once they were experts, once they were the ultimate thought leader in this thing, then they would have like, that would be the right time to write a book. And then they pull that thing in, they pull it up and they realize, no, wait, this is how I become the thought leader. And in your case, you Mm -hmm. know, you had put it down, like way down farther in the path. You pulled it back because you're like, no, wait, this is how I figure it out. This is how I begin to start recalibrating my life. And you're not even sure what the mix is yet, which is really great. I'm so glad you shared that because again, you can't plan all of these things and, and that's kind of okay. And actually, I wasn't planning to do this, but I don't know if you've picked up this book or heard of it, The Pivot Year by Brianna Weiss. Oh, no. Really amazing book. It's a 365-day guide to become the person you truly want to be. By the way, you this book is totally up both of our alleys. But check out the entry. It definitely sounds yeah, like it. Yeah, it didn't take much, right? I just had to read the title to you and you were like, bing, done. Sign me up. I'm already buying it. So I want to read you a passage from day two because I only just started. I just got my copy. It's actually autographed. Check this out. There is great power in not knowing, not knowing what is next, not knowing what to decide, not knowing how you will make it to where you know you want and need to be. Every given moment contains within it doorways of opportunity. And when you choose to walk through one, you make realities available to you that were once invisible. When you do not know what is next, Mm -hmm. you enter the realm of infinite potential. Instead of trying to plan your life so safely and so succinctly, you can begin to plan for the moment, the joy, the journey. Instead of living on autopilot, you can learn how to continuously meet the ever-changing, ever-possible now. When you finally admit that you do not know what is next, you enter the golden vortex, the space between everything you know you're meant for and anything you had previously imagined to be. And when you said that part of your story, boom, that passage just like, wow, that she explains that. That's powerful. And, And you lived that. And that's what you just shared with us. You just shared with us how you entered that golden vortex, that's but that space with a very open, very, (laughs) very open mind. And knowing that you don't necessarily know what's next, but you know that you can figure it out. You just have to go, you just have to walk through the door. And that's so important, I think, too, because along the way, there was always this, well, what if this doesn't work? And I always told myself, well, this doesn't work. I'll just go back to work. Like that really did not seem like that big of a deal to me. And I think in in part of that, it gave me the courage to go out and try these things because I always kind of had that as a backup plan. And I think that was really important for me. It was just kind of like, well, if it doesn't work, I'll go do this instead. And so like, but why not just give it a try? Just lean into it and see what is here. You know, the other thing you shared that I think is really important about leaning into this, walking through that door, stepping into the unknown 
is that you discovered along the way, I really love this part of me when I do this thing. Can you tell me more about that feeling? Oh, it's, I feel it right now, honestly. I, um, specifically, as, as you mentioned, I work with working mothers and being a working mother and doing this work and helping other working mothers move toward their sense of agency and empowerment and creating a life that they love. Like my body tingles I, is like the only thing that I can describe because it feels so powerful for me. And that even if like, let's say at the end of time or my life, I never have this like multi-million dollar business. That's not my plan. But I had like a really impactful impact on a couple of women. That right there, it means it was all worth it because I helped move someone towards their, you know, life fulfillment and purpose. And they're going to go around and have an impact on the people that they interact with because they're feeling more fulfilled. And then it just creates this ripple effect. And that's how I know that I'm in the right line of work because I can, I can just feel that tingle that when I am doing it, it feels awesome. You know, I feel the same way when I, when I'm coaching, when I'm speaking, when I'm writing, it's just like, wow, this feels so right. These discoveries I'm having, I'm, I'm just like, this is what, I don't know, I guess I was meant to be doing. And I get it. I totally get it. And the, you know, I think it's important that you not only noticed it, but you stop to really think actively about that and say to yourself, hold on, I really love this part of me when I do this. Maybe there's something to this. Maybe I need to keep going down this path. Yeah. And I think to, to that point, if there's one theme that I can thread through this whole journey for myself and to create space to be able to reflect and have that awareness, my sabbatical I took with my husband, that was space to realize that coaching was something that I really wanted to do. Even if I, at the time I thought it was far out, my maternity leave was space to be able to think about what was really important to me in the here and now and where I was. My stay at home mom was not to a lesser degree, but somewhat a, a space from my career where it was yeah. to be able to hone in on coaching and that I loved that so much. And so really for me, all of this has just been like, you need space to be able to really reflect and be aware of those values and, and what's really important. So when would you say you really said, okay, I found the right mix in terms of like, I like this. And I'm sure by the way, to moving target <laughs> as your, as your, <laughs> as your son grows up and now two boys, you know, as they grow up, yes. it's a moving target. But at some point you feel like I now have control of this. Like I know I'm aware I can, I can go up and down and, and recalibrate as needed. At what point does that happen? Like, where do you start to feel like I got it figured out? I don't know if there's ever an, I got it figured out, but I know now the levers okay. that I can pull. And I would put it that way. And I think it, it is constantly evolving because as you mentioned, I now have two young children. My oldest is starting kindergarten. I'm going to kindergarten registration today. And that's going to be a whole new phase for us that blows my mind. And I don't know what that's going to look like yet, but it might be different for us. Then I still have my toddler. Both kids are actually now in full-time care. So childcare at the moment is actually no longer a factor, but time for myself is now a factor in at play. And I don't want to be working full time because I want to be able to have time for myself and to focus on my health in my house and my family and run errands so that on weekends, we're not feeling like we're constantly stressed and trying to do all of those things. 
So I would never say that it's it's static and that I have like, I now have it figured out, but I now know the levers that I can pull um, to be able to say, mm, we need a little bit more here. We need a little bit more here. Um, and I'll, I'll even pull those levers throughout the year. In summer, I'll pull back a little bit more on work because it's summer and my kids are want to play outside and we want to take vacations. And um, December, I pull back. We're an interfaith household. We have a lot of holidays in December usually. Like So I, I pull back on coaching in December so that I can lean into family more. And just knowing what those levers are, I think that's been key. Wow, that's awesome. I love the way you put that. Because once you know where the levers are and how they work, you can really just, to your point, as the seasons come and go, it's Chicago. Obviously, when it's nice, you're like, we got to make the most of this. <laughs> and then, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. And then an interfaith uh, situation in December, lots of going on. To be able to do that, I feel like, wow, that is, you know, one a question that I'm starting to explore a lot more with people, with clients and guests that I interview is, you know, what is your reinvented life? You know, like when you think about like, what is it on your terms? Like, what does that look like? And I feel like I just heard the answer without asking it. It's it's you being able to pull back when these moments happen and then, you know, allocate more time to the family. And then when these other yeah. moments come, you can allocate a little bit more time to the work. And just being able to do that as needed, when needed, however it's needed is, is yeah. your reinvented life. And you have the control now over that. Let's let's actually go a little bit on into that because I think this is interesting. We weren't planning to talk about this, but I feel like this is really an interesting part of your journey where you know, you went through these moments where I'm sure to some extent some things felt like a lot of I can't predict what's going to happen here. And not that you can still predict, but you're like there's things that are out of my control. I don't know. I guess I have to go back to work. I guess I have to do this. I guess maternity leave ends at some point. So I just got to do the things that are supposed to, but now you're you're not living like that. You're like you just said, you, you've got your hands on the levers and you're like just, you know, doing the thing and controlling it the way you see fit. Tell me about that. Like, how does that feel compared to maybe like other moments in your life? For me, it's really meaningful because one of the values that we haven't talked about, but is actually my number one value is freedom too, which really for me is a sense of agency to be able to be where I need to be, do the work that I want to do and have that sense of agency. I'm very privileged and I think I would be remiss not to mention I'm able to have this level of flexibility because we have flexible childcare. And because we've had, we have in Chicago an amazing option um, that was affordable at the time. And I think for me and my platform of working with working mothers, the need for flexible, affordable childcare, if I did not have that, this entire journey would not have happened. That's really important, I think, for me to mention and why policy and um, and working for paid family leave and all of those things is so important because I think without those, there's a lot of women who feel like these options have been completely stolen from them. Um, because as a mother, you if you're going to do some of these things, you do need childcare and it does need to be affordable. And that for me, I think is what has been, has allowed me to do this. And so, yes, I do feel like I have the agency and that is so important for me. And I've been really privileged to be able to have the options to do that. So I think it's a yes and on some of these things. I appreciate you sharing that. And, you know, I'm learning that now, the importance of childcare and being able to have quality childcare, someone that you can trust and yeah. feel comfortable with. And, you know, my wife and I are incredibly blessed and, and it's, you know, you never know how you're going to come across this. Uh, in our case, 
I originally thought like, well, you know, I guess we have to go to one of these platforms or go to find one of these places where we can drop Sophia off at some point, you know, when maternity leave wraps up or even if it's part time because I work from home. So maybe I would, you know, split my time or design my schedule differently. But we were able to find someone who comes to our home and she's incredible. And she was actually taking care of my mother for months. And, mm. and Sophia, when she was born, my mother passed away five days later. And we thought that mm-hmm. it would be, you know, really special to ask her if she was interested in taking care of Sophia. And it was such a great fit. And, and yeah. the response was so positive. And, and right now she's outside with Sophia outside of this home office, you know, taking care of her. And, and my wife and I reflect on this a lot, how blessed we feel that this has worked out the way it did, because we could not have planned this. There's no blog that would have told me, oh, you know, have signed right. somebody up to take care of your mother. Then your mother has to pass away. Then the person hopefully becomes available. Like none of this is planned. It's one of those things that you have to have a North Star for what you want. And then you ha- and once you're tuned to that, you can create those things. And I'm learning that when it comes to childcare. Wow, there. What else is are so important? Because to your point, there isn't like some sort of policy there. There isn't some sort of priority there at a national level to help us all have like a couple of good options that we can all kind of agree on and say, wow, these are really great right. and available and accessible and affordable. And, and they're always there for us. Like, no, we don't have that like other countries do. We, we need the what else's and, you know, and, and that's tough. And, and when you're lucky enough to find that, yeah, I appreciate you mentioning that because right. it sounds like that played a massive role for you. And it's, I know for us, it's playing a significant role for us and being able to continue our work lives and all of that while also building the family life we want to build. I mean, we're, I'm lucky enough in where we are in Chicago, we have a uh, co-working space that has daycare on site, wow. childcare on site. And without that, my entire business would not exist. Wow. Um, I have so much gratitude for the woman who opened this space, acknowledging that working parents want to be able to work and also spend time with their children in a flexible way and be able to have both of that. Wow, that is incredible. I, I don't think I've ever come mm-hmm. across that, actually. And it's it's amazing. Yeah, it definitely sounds it. And, you know, and, and, and I feel like there are some companies out there that are doing certain things. I remember a friend of mine worked for a company called Bright Horizons, and they do a lot of <laughs> child care and things like that. But it seems that they also work with companies. So a company can say, I hire Bright Horizons to take care of my employees, kids. And she did that. And I was just like, wow, that's really interesting. Like that you, how good must that feel that you both go to work together, right? And you just drop off here. Oh yeah. And I worked at a company called MBNA once upon a time. They've since merged with Bank of America, but they had on-site childcare and mm-hmm. same thing. And they talked so much about that because for them, one of their biggest values was, you know, family and they, and the families of their employees. And actually they never called their employees employees. They called them people. So the families of their people mm-hmm. and they're like, and this is the best way to show that we value this by offering you this at no charge and no cost, like this is there for you. In fact, when you, when you're on lunch, pop on over, like it's literally right next door. Like all you got to do is cross the street and, or something like that. And boom, you're there and you can go hang out with your kid and have lunch and, you know, enjoy a nice little lunch with your son or daughter or whatever, and and then come back to work and feel ah rejuvenated. So it's never thought about that. Yeah. I can do an entire other podcast just on the intersection of work and childcare yeah. and mothers and working parents and all of that. I mean, I could talk for a very long time on that. <laughs> you know, we don't have too much time, um, but but let's let's <laughs> wrap up there because let's talk about what you do right now, like who you're helping, who you're working with, and you know, wh- what are you working towards right now? Tell us a little bit about that. 
I uh, specifically work with working mothers, as I have said, um, everyone from the, the new mother, the mother to be who is trying to determine what does maternity leave look like for me? How do I transition out? Uh, facing a lot of those fears about what happens if I go out on leave and they decide they don't need me anymore? Or how do I transition back in now that I have a child? How do I balance all of this? Because I still care about this. And so um, that's one really big population of mothers that I work with who are like the very, very new mothers trying to figure out what this working mother thing is. I also often work with mothers within the toddler phase. And they say often that that like two to five is the toughest time of motherhood because your kids like really need you during that time. And it also happens to intersect when a lot of mothers are hitting the peak of their careers, the peak of their leadership journeys, because women are, tend to spend more time now building their careers before they're deciding to have families. And so those periods are intersecting. And you're really being pulled at, how do I lean into this leadership journey that I'm on, but still be able to show up for my family? And so we work together to define what does that look like for you? What are the priorities that you have at play right now? How do you show up authentically in both spaces? So it's almost just like a sense of sanity, I think, for mothers being able to feel like, I don't have to do it all because that's a lie. But what I do want to do, I can do well. And being able to really define what that is. And then also working with mothers who are going through career transitions, whether that is a similar journey to what I went through of deciding, do I want to stay at, be a stay-at-home mom? Do I want to go part-time? What's the impact going to be of that on my life and on my broader career? Or stay-at-home moms who are just saying, hey, I'm actually done being a stay-at-home mom. My children are in school full-time or they're older. I'd like to transition back to the workforce. What does that look like for me now? How do I do that? And so really kind of the, the whole... Uh, that intersection of motherhood and career really coming together so that you feel like you have a sense of clarity and direction and confidence in the decisions that you're making for yourself and your family. I love that. I love that. And to your point, I mean, you're doing what just makes you feel so good, what may, what totally feels right for you. Um, how did you describe it? That tingly feeling you get yeah, it's like I get tingles. I'm, I'm, I'm going through an embodiment course right now, and I'm very aware of like what my body is feeling. Yep. I, no, but I love it. I mean, I love that you described it that way, because that's what it really is when you're doing those things. I had a friend of mine, and actually, I, I feature her story in the book, and she had said something to me a while back. She said, when you talk about math and teaching math, and this is a long time, this is before I was a math teacher, when I had only tutored this one student and had just an amazing time doing that. And she said, you know, there's an aura around you when you talk about teaching math, you light up and become so like you radiate this energy. And I can't help but be drawn to that energy. And then she said, mm -hmm. you should find a way to activate this or radiate this all of the time. And I thought, oh my gosh, like I never considered that. And I feel like when you talk about this, you're radiating that energy, like, and that passion and, and you know it cause you feel the tingling. So it's I literally do. coming out, I it's coming it. out of you and you're like, oh, I feel it. It is. <laughs> so that's awesome. Well, uh, I, we're going to wrap up here. I just want to say thank you again for sharing all of these insights, for giving us your time and sharing this journey, this really important journey. Wh where can people go learn more about you? Where do you prefer that people go if they want to learn about you right now before they even read the show notes? Go to my website, which is uh, www.justfeltcoaching.com. 
And I also have a presence on Instagram at, at Just Felt Coaching and on LinkedIn as well. So really, those are the three main places that you can find me. All of these links will be available in the show notes. Just thank you again. So fun. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the School of Reinvention podcast. Again, I'm your host, Roger Osorio. If you're ready to start your journey to reinvention and want to walk the path with others, visit www.rogerosorio.com and go to the School of Reinvention to check out for yourself how a community-based coaching platform can help you begin your next reinvention. You can also go to rogerosorio.com to purchase my new book, The Journey to Reinvention, and receive some exciting bonuses. Until next time, make your day great.